0: You are about to hear are true. MC's names have been changed to protect the innocent. Hello, and welcome to this final edition of the NFL Draft Extravaganza of the State of Texans podcast brought to you by StateofTexans.com. I'm Patrick Starr. We're finally to the end of the draft. I think my eyes were just going cross-eyed with everything that was going on. But I think I'm going to send Bill O'Brien a fruit basket for ending the draft at the fifth round for the Texans because, my goodness, it was just... I don't know, maybe I'm just out of season a little bit due to the fact that there hadn't been much sports on, but it was a much welcomed uh, distraction from the real world, so I'm I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, But hopefully you tuned into our podcast last night about the additions of both Ross Blacklock and Johnny Grenard. Well, John Grenard, Jonathan Grenard, whatever. I I like Johnny Grenard. Uh, But you know how this goes? Uh, Texans added some interesting names to their... Roster today, and we'll talk about the entire thing moving forward. But you know how this goes. Got to bring in my good friend Texas Cleve. Cleve, how are things going on day three? Two, it's three. A marathon. Three. It's day three. Three. Day uh, okay. three. Marathon, not a sprint. Bad. Uh, although that right. the
1: Texans sprinted to the end, so that was kind
0: <laughs> of nice. I don't even know what you can compare it to. You can find a good good comparison for it, but I don't know. It's just like, eh, that's enough. No, I'm not going to color no more.
1: You yeah, had a nice steak, and they're like, would you like to see the dessert, No, like, nah, we're good. <laughs> and and instead of leaving your card, you, you ask how much it is. They say it's $60. You leave 80
0: and walk out. Boss move, right? Just, just that's, it. that's it. You're headed to the door. But wait, you get a complimentary dessert. Take it home to the family. I'll see you all yeah. next year. So, yeah. And also, back for more, Claire. Claire, how are things going?
2: I'm just glad it's. Done. It's over. It's Sounds done. Sounds like a
0: hostage scenario.
2: <laughs> it kind of felt like the NFL was holding us hostage for the first three rounds.
0: Well, I think they got a little bit smarter and kind of did did away with a few things.
2: Well, you didn't have time in the. There's four rounds over what from eleven till six. I mean, you kind of had to boogie on along.
0: I mean, there was one point, I guess, after the Texans made their final fifth pick towards the end, uh, you were just waiting and waiting, and then Bill O'Brien did everyone a solid uh, at the end. Thanks, Bill. You're our guy. But before we go through, um, do you all want to go through the moves first or do you all want to talk about the players first? I think people want to hear about the players first. Okay, and then we can go through some of the things that happened through the draft. So the Texans... Uh, Started their day off. As you know, a quick recap of day uh, two. Two. (laughs) God dog it. Uh, The Texans took Ross Blacklock at uh, number 40 overall and then at number, hell, I can't remember. One,
2: wasn't it one?
0: Just tell them the round. Nobody cares. In round three, uh, Jonathan Grenard uh, from Florida. 90 overall. So the Texans add those two. Texans had a pretty quick, quick pick coming out of round four, and the Texans immediately traded down uh, to maneuver accordingly. And then, before you knew it, they traded back up. <laughs> and I'm, I was actually a little bit surprised by this, but when you start thinking about how the Texans think and everything else, they take offensive tackle – Charlie Heck from North Carolina. This guy's six, eight. Uh, <laughs> I think that they said he's close to 300 and what eight pounds or something along that line. He's a big old kid. Um, more importantly, he has, in my opinion, everything that the Texan's probably looking for a player. Uh, NFL Bloodlines. His father, Andy Heck, is a, what, 11- year pro 12. 11 or 12- year pro. Um, played for multiple teams over the course of his career, was an All-American at Notre Dame. Uh, You add in the fact that not only did he play right tackle at North Carolina his junior year, he started all 12 games. When Mac Brown arrived, they flipped him over to left tackle for his senior year. He started all those games, and he was a senior bowl uh, participant at that time. The Texans started uh, talking to him, finding out. They kept in contact with him. Again, the value of the Texans getting a hold of these players and talking to them and knowing them, Uh, we we know during this O'Brien-era stretch of prospects, that's why I think it's important that you find out who they talk to because when you find out who they talk to, there's a good chance they're going to be a Texan. This isn't like the Kubiak era. Uh, There's a lot of contact with it because they want to know these guys, and I don't think the Texans are afraid of that. But um, where does Charlie Heck fit? In my opinion, I think that – I don't think he's here to compete with Roderick Johnson. I think that he's there – I think right now you could probably say Charlie Heck's their number three offensive tackle behind Laramie Tunsil at left tackle and Titus Titus Howard at right tackle. And Brent Quave will be the inside guy that can also help on the outside. I think Roderick Johnson is in in trouble of not – making this team Uh, so I don't have any like initially I was like meh I don't know about that but when you start thinking about it in the thing people all of a sudden want to run off Zach Fulton for whatever reason despite having a really strong season Uh, I don't think there's any part any reason to rip up the offensive line so if you have all five of your offensive linemen done you went the veteran route to take care of your interior with Qualve and and Greg Mance to kind of Maneuver on the inside. Why not go find the next guy to go help you out that has the versatility to bounce back and forth? And I think that's That's a critical position.
1: It we see it every year. One of the
0: tackles goes down, even
1: if if it's for a half or a game or whatever. You always need a guy that can get plugged in and not be a disaster.
0: No, I, I think it's key. It's not a sexy pick, but in terms of what a football roster needs on game days and things like that, uh, we'll see if he ultimately ends up being like week one. I think that's what they have Quave here, Quale, uh, sorry, Quale here, the guy they signed from the Jets. But the long term play is having Heck to be that guy, and I think that's more than ample. I think that's okay. I think your grand view is to have him as a potential you know, starting material down the road if needed. But those are the problems that you want to have and want to cross those roads. Uh, One thing I find interesting is that uh, Charlie Heck's father, like we talked about, Andy, is the offensive line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. He wrote an article on stateoftexans.com about it, that during the entire draft process, Charlie and the family – Charlie's brother's the strength and strength uh strength coach at North Carolina. He has a sister and the mom were all in the living room talking to his agent, figuring out where he was going to end up in the draft, while Andy was in the room due to the COVID situation, helping with the Chiefs draft, evaluating prospects as they went to give his opinion. Andy also said that he left it to his assistant coach to evaluate his. Son, he didn't want to do it. All he did was put right. the final touches on it to send it into the Chiefs. Other than that, he stayed away from it. He didn't pressure Andy Reid to to draft uh, Charlie. He didn't do any of that. So there he is, trying to figure out where his son's going to go, and then he finds out it's the Texans. On top of that, um, so it, it's kind of funny how this all works out. But could you imagine that, where <laughs> you're one of your AFC rivals? Texans are trying to catch up to the Chiefs, obviously. But they draft your son. I I, I think that's an odd dynamic, but it's an interesting – I think it's a pretty great storyline just from a human interest standpoint uh, moving forward. Yeah, it
1: seems like a good pick. I texted you right before they started the draft that I wouldn't mind an offensive lineman early. And then – they trade back and then trade back up to get their guy. So it was encouraging. He's awfully tall, which isn't always a great thing for a tackle, but, you well, know, you a lot can't of, shrink him. So
0: Yeah, a lot of people said, well, he can bump into the guard position. I don't think that's a possibility. You don't, <laughs> I think we learned that back in the day. Who was it, Jeff Adams?
1: Yeah.
0: Him and his 6'7 self trying to play guard, and he was just getting destroyed because he couldn't bend. Um, yeah, it does. Yeah. But Bill O'Brien stopped all that in a hurry. He was asked at the post draft post draft zoom call that they asked that was one of the first questions he said no he's a, I just see him as an offensive tackle like there's no <laughs> there's no moving anyone around he's an offensive tackle, so that's a good thing to hear from Bill O'Brien that they're not trying to make him anything he's not so uh, and also a side note, Charlie heck was a Tight end before he became an offensive tackle. So could you imagine that tied in? Lord have mercy. Mm. All right. Anything else? mm I know. T- offensive tackles are kinda of boring when you when you come to it. But the Texans picks though. Yeah. The Texans were able.
1: that's followed the NFL for any length of time likes it when you draft linemen
0: early. Yeah. It's just how it works. So the Texans traded back at that point to get one thirty six and one forty one from uh, the Miami Dolphins because the Dolphins traded up and took an offensive guard, I think, at that point. Uh, So that's where they are. So the Texans, at that point, um, in the fourth round with 141st overall, selected cornerback John Reed. Uh, There was rumors flying around the Texans needed help in the secondary. A lot of people were thinking safety, uh, but the Texans went the opposite route and took another cornerback. Uh, So here we are. Texans take a cornerback. If there's anybody out of the entire draft class that you can easily uh, fall for in terms of personalities, in terms of the complete makeup of a player, look no further than John Reed, in my opinion. Uh, A guy at Penn State who um, can both play inside and outside. Here's a guy that literally cuts up clips of players that he wants to learn from. Uh, He mentioned that he cut-up clips of the Broncos or now Chargers, Chris Harris, uh, Jason Verrett. I don't even know where he's at. Uh, and then also he, he mentioned how he figured out a technique that he saw that uh, the Bills Tredavious White, former, former LSU cornerback, also uh, was using a bell technique that he wanted to figure out how to do it. So what did he do? He went and just cut up a bunch of clips of it and learned how to do it. So that's the type of player you're dealing with with, with John Reed, like the lack, the amount of preparation he has as a player, that's, you know, when I, when they asked him what his best attribute was, he goes, I'm never not prepared for what's going on. Um, During a Penn State function with James Franklin at at a football banquet, he was there for a short time. And when they were looking for him uh, to say something, he was gone. He snuck off to the team facility to go watch film. He had no use for the banquet. I mean, that's the type of guy you're dealing with. And not to add that he's also a programmer. He did a, an internship at, it, at what?
2: Intel and then Blizzard Entertainment that does video games, right? Yeah. Um. So he was doing web development and, like, back end. I mean, just all sorts of cool stuff. He has a dual degree, right, in, what was it, computer programming and...
0: He uh, uh, graduated with a degree in data sciences in December of 2019.
2: But then on the NFL channel network, it had something different. He had a dual degree, as said. So I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, but, yeah, he was interesting because, like we were talking about, he was recruited as a sophomore in high school by Bill O'Brien to play at Penn State when Bill was still there. And he had some positive words to say that everybody in the locker room whenever he arrived was, you know, sad to see bill leave and they respected him and the players seemed to feel respected by bill as well um he had a really good combine ran a 4-4 so that was nice um two-time all big 10 honorable mention i mean you know he's not a superstar coming out of college but he's someone who has some attributes that you like to see in the nfl and you know, he seems like the type of guy who's who's humble. He's talking about like kind of scavenging for for workout um props. Like he's looking he had dumbbells. His day he was proud, his dad got him some dumbbells and his uncle had a, a barbell he could use to work out while this is going on. So I don't know, he just seems like a, a humble but really smart, prepared kid who could, you know, learn and, and maybe make a difference.
0: He said there was an open basketball court just down the street from his house that he'll run to when no one's there. So nobody can, met, you know, because of all the Because situ- he's in New Jersey, I think, mm-hmm. uh, right now where it's a little bit of the worst. So they're a little slapping, you know, the situation a little more stringent yeah. down there. So, but no, he's, a, he's an interesting guy. Bill O'Brien said that he's a guy that he can see both play outside and inside. But O'Brien seemed to emphasize inside a little bit more than outside. I think that he's the soon-to-be uh, star cornerback in the near future uh, when it's time for Vernon Hargraves to go. But that's what you do though as when when you start building rosters when you start seeing players. Uh Vernon Hargraves is here on a year deal. You get the next guy behind him to develop behind him. You don't run off Vernon Hargraves until your next guy's ready. You just kind of keep stacking the deck like a like a conveyor belt. And then hopefully John Reed can stay there for 3 years and be that player and then you can move to another you just kind of keep rotating the cogs and where you keep moving and moving and moving. And that's kind of what I see here is that it's kind of like the, the, the swing tackle. you got to have a star cornerback. It's a different position than the cornerback position. And there's a lot of moving pieces uh, with, this, w- with this defense. But, again, it's a premium position that you have to have. And uh, having a guy like John Reed uh, and adding him to the group I know, Cleve, you and I discussed before we got on air. There's discussion. I see a lot of discussion uh, via, you know, the ever wonder world of Twitter saying that, you know, there's a good chance that maybe he won't make the team. The Texans are not cutting loose John Reed in favor of Philip Gaines. That's just not happening. Uh, So, Y'all can get that out of your mind. But your thoughts on the pick, Cleve, for, for uh, John Reed from Penn State?
1: Well, we talked about it previous podcast. They needed help in the secondary. You start to get some slim pickings on better cornerbacks later in the draft, and they found a guy that they have a relationship with already, um, a guy who's clearly there mentally. You know, it's a mental game. It's a work-effort game. You know, he's limited only by his size at this point from what I've read. So, you know, seems like a good guy to bring in safe pick. It's a neat area. You can never draft enough cornerbacks. So you could draft four of them in a draft and you'd be in perfectly good shape. So I like the pick. He seems extremely charismatic. I think the media is going to really enjoy having him around with whatever availability O'Brien allows, um, so, no, I like the pick. You know, I, I'm not a draft guru. Even draft gurus aren't really draft gurus in terms of which players are going to make it and which ones aren't. So you're left to evaluate it with the information you have and knowing how the team is structured. Seems like a good pick.
2: When Cleve likes a pick.
1: He's been a lot. His brand is kind of jacked yeah, up. Yeah,
2: your, your brand uh, is taking a hit, Cleve.
1: It's taking a beating. This was... This was a very
0: crafty, smart, safe draft in a very strange time. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: We'll talk a little bit after that after we get done with this next pick before we go to the rookie free agents, and you can give your thought because I thought it was really well put together, uh, your thoughts. And then the Texans um, in the next round, after trading back with the – Saints right, and that who they originally traded back with for heck right I think so doesn't really matter either way uh they uh ended up trading back up to land well actually, they just normal forget the trades they traded i mean they <laughs> signed are they Drafted, Lord have mercy, my brain's fried. They drafted wide receiver from Rhode Island, Isaiah Coulter. Um, A 6'2", nearly 200-pound wide receiver that's pretty as raw as you can get it. He's the first player from Rhode Island to be drafted in 35 years?
2: Yeah, right around there.
0: Something like that. Oh, 34 years, sorry. Um, he caught 72 passes for over 1,000 yards. He's one of seven players in school history to amass over 1,000 yards. He averaged 14.4 yards a catch. He had 13-plus catches of 20-plus yards. 12 of those went for five touchdowns. So this guy's not a slot-wide receiver. He's an outside player that they're looking to not only uh, get to that point, but they're looking to turn him into a part of this group to be vertical threats and even and even more so is that he's not small he instantly already is the texans tallest <laughs> wide receiver so uh, which is kind of funny it is but yeah i mean this is what you do in these later rounds you take chances you take chances on guys that maybe smaller schools that have the height weight thing that that other people this is a guy that I think that what they were saying is, yeah, he didn't play against top-end competition, but he played against Virginia Tech and lit their ass up for like 150-plus yards. So when the competition is turned up – now, Virginia Tech, right, relatively but- speaking, this ain't God dang – I don't even know who some good old-school um, Virginia Tech cornerbacks but this ain't Rock Carmichael out there oh. locking him down. <laughs> <laughs> but my point is... Jimmy Smith, maybe? Man, that sounds about right. How do y'all know this? But Anyway. <laughs> shout out, Rock. Bappin ain't easy. <laughs> um, I remember that. <laughs> this is what you want. You just want guides. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, look, on our article... Before the start, we put Isaiah Coulter in there as a possibility for them. And he was our lead photo. And I feel pretty good about it because there you go.
1: Yeah, the draft, Nick, said he's got all the tools. He's rough, doesn't run great routes, but has all the measurables and just needs some development, which is typically what you draft later in the draft. Right. I I can't imagine complaining about this.
0: And especially from Rhode Island.
2: (laughs) That's 34 years, man. (laughs) People don't draft people from Rhode Island.
0: Again, it's like, who would have thought that a wide receiver from Rhode Island, University of Rhode Island, would need development at the NFL level? Like, really? Like, this is the type of stuff that we're doing now? People I mean, teams routinely draft
1: <laughs> Aggies, and they don't talk about how much <laughs> development they're going to need.
2: So much. There you go. Mostly mental.
1: It's mostly punters, though, to be fair. So, no, it's – uh. Yeah, I don't see any reason to complain about this one, although I haven't really seen many complaints. I don't think anybody's been able to really conjure a cogent complaint argument about any of this. Um, I did look at your mentions briefly, but oh, no thanks.
2: It's a train wreck. No, I think that it's the same the same people who just complain because they want to find something to complain about and to spark a conversation that doesn't even need to be had.
0: But I, I think it's a, it's a good, to me, I think.
2: It's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. If you're going on a limb, it seems like a good guy to go on a limb for.
0: So the Texans, after they do their five picks, <laughs> they have another one in the seventh round and move forward. And we're sitting there waiting for over an hour to get on the clock. And the Texans getting ready to pick. Remember, they started the day out with three. Three seventh round picks and they end up using zero. The Texans traded their final seventh-round pick to the New Orleans Saints as the Saints trade up for some random-ass quarterback from I don't know where. But the Saints had zero draft picks left in this year's draft. So what did they do? They pulled from the 2021 draft class a sixth-round pick to move into it. A little side note, the Texans entered this offseason with only five draft picks for the season, or for the 2021 draft, minus a first and second. Now, entering the next phase of next year, they have eight draft picks going into next year. Crazy.
2: I mean, if you're able to get first-round talent in the second round, then okay.
0: So, again – for our listeners, I think the most important thing is it's okay to like wring your hands for like three minutes, but don't. I think I had this conversation with Cleve during the draft. I think it's almost like why you can't ever sit there and worry about picks. I mean, I understand the idea of not having a first round pick, um, it's not fun. But also in the same sense, you just never know what's going to happen, not only during the season, how you might get picks. But in the draft, when you start doubling down picks and flipping picks and all this other stuff, teams get desperate. I mean, for whatever reason, the the Saints needed this seventh-round quarterback. <laughs> and That was a guy they liked, so they go get him.
1: Look, it's sixth and seventh-round picks. Who cares? Like – it's an obvious win for the Texans that you get a round higher pick in a draft that should be under normal conditions. So in theory you'd have more intel on players, you know, stretching into the later rounds. So it's a no-brainer to trade the pick. It's not like they need the volume on the roster, you know. So I, I that was one of your replies on Twitter was I hope you can explain these moves. Well, It's like the birds and the bees conversation. Like, what a stupid question. But if you're listening, I hope this is a
0: good answer. I think, Cleve, I'll leave it up to you. So the Texans uh, put it all together. We'll talk about the entire draft class, and we'll highlight some of the – well, hell, we don't even have to highlight some of them. We can just talk about the rookie free agent class. I can inform people real quick of the group because that's what it is. It's just a group. But, Cleve, your overall – global view of what happened with the draft and your non-brand take on what you saw?
1: Look, we can only go based on results, right? We can only go based on what we see happening. And it seemed like a pretty well-thought-out, savvy approach to the draft when you consider that you're not going to have the normal practice time and training camp that you normally would Rookies are going to be behind the eight ball already. So they focused on the guys that they were familiar with, they wanted on the team, or at least give a fair shake at the team. Look, they could have stacked it with all those seventh round picks. None of those seventh round picks are going to make the team because they're not going to have the attention given to them to get them up to speed, to be ready to play. And in the NFL, given the roster constraints, you don't have the luxury of having developmental guys on your active roster. So then they're going to end up on the practice squad anyway, um, if that, if that. So I thought they had a, a, a smart approach to it in terms of the volume of the picks they were actually using. And then the guys they picked, we've talked about it, they hit all areas of need. All Well, I shouldn't say that. All of the picks addressed areas of need. But I don't think they were all necessarily need-driven, if that makes sense. Um, cause none of them seemed like a huge reach to me. I mean, I'm no expert and I also don't really believe in the whole, this pick was a reach and this one wasn't when you're past the first or second round, cause it's all a crapshoot at that point. So no, I thought it was a smart approach to the draft. I'm glad they added picks for next year and, um, yeah,
0: that's all I got. No, I I think that's a very good synopsis of exactly what happened. Cause
2: I th- it feels like <clears throat> the team made the most of their limited picks. Like, you go into the draft, and everyone is lamenting, oh, there's a no first-round pick, and blah, 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 and all these things. And really, the team comes away with players who, in other circumstances, had... Had the draft not been so wide receiver heavy, I mean, Ross Blacklock could have gone in the first round. I mean, he was graded by many people as a first-round pick. So you came away with potential first-round talent in the second round, and you didn't really skip a beat because you've supplemented your team with savvy young veterans. So I'm just not pissed about it. But I have a hard time being pissed about anything except for losing games.
0: Yeah, I mean, mean we we can – discuss this at length in terms of things that are going on. But you know this entire jacked up draft process just kind of put the Texans and I I didn't I have really had a chance to look across the NFL how other rookie free agent classes have gone. Uh, so I'm just talking on what I know with the Texans. This is the smallest draft class in franchise history. Before that, it was six, but that was due to, like, trading away things. And just, I think that was the year that they traded the year before. I think they traded for Babin or something. They got rid of a bunch of picks, and they kind of had to backtrack the following year. So that was a six-round draft class. That was a year with a, a Koye, I think, a Moby. So, anyways, this one was based off of not only a trade, but (laughs) like Cleve said, the idea of having no offseason, rookies not having a chance to make the team. So I think that's a big thing. And the Texans don't have time to teach rookies how to be professionals right now. When they hit the field, it's going to be the veteran group plus a select few of rookies, the five they drafted plus, m- here's, here's the reality of these rookie free agents. Their ceiling this year is the practice squad. I mean, ultimately, that's where it sits for them, and that's okay. I mean, they should feel fortunate that's their ceiling because they've already beat the learning curve or the, the, the COVID curve, so to speak, versus all their peers. So that's a huge, huge thing. So, in my opinion, that's why this draft class is so small. They got to move forward, and they they have to prepare for Week One now because there's no time to, you know what? Let's get player X, get him an extra look. That's all out the window. They got to get guys to, to to play now, and I think it's going to be a punt year for Isaiah Coulter, but I think that. He's one of those talents. Hey, we have him. We got to keep him. Um, Same thing with, you know, if you look at this draft class, who do I think actually plays? Ross Blacklock. Outside chance, uh, Jonathan Grenard. I think that's about it. But I think all the other three make the team in some capacity. Charlie Heck plays special teams or at least is active because now remember (laughs) – <laughs> uh, well, I don't know that I want him
1: covering. Okay. No,
0: no, on on fuel golds and things like that. Oh. That's ultimately what he'd be doing. But remember, now the NFL is allowing a plus two offensive lineman on game day and stuff like, or a plus one offensive lineman, and they're allowed to keep extra. So that changes a few things. Um, you know, I don't think culture will. There's no need for culture at all in terms of game day stuff. This is a year that he can learn behind four guys and. If Kenny Stills leaves or Will Fuller leaves, he's kind of your next guy in line, and you go find another one. So, and then with the – with the John Reed, I think he might have a realistic shot to at least help on special teams. I'd take him over uh, Phillip Gaines. I mean, because that's ultimately who he's in competition with, Philip Gaines.
2: Yeah.
0: So – there's not much room for anything, but it's an interesting. It's an interesting time, like you said, Cleve, in terms of how things are set up, how things are 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 moving for this team and for the NFL itself. And uh, whenever they officially open things up uh, for the team, but the Texans start their off season program virtually uh, this following Monday, and and they'll start hitting that full swing. And uh, they're not like the Saints. The Saints said they're not going to have a. a off-season program, Jackson said, nope, we're going to yeah. have one.
2: <laughs> You're coming to work.
0: You're coming to work. So I think it's important that they do that. I mean,
2: yeah. you've already
0: lost a lot of time. I don't know why the Saints would do that.
2: I mean, you at least get them virtually. At least talk to them. It, have them wrapped attention, you know, yeah. this is what we're doing.
0: Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't understand that, that plan. When um, you say off-season
1: program, are you talking at the facility or remotely? It's all remote. So
2: why would you not do that then? Right. And then the NBA today, they just recently said that the teams in certain markets could open up um, their facilities for practices for. um, And apparently the Rockets were one of the teams and on May 1st. So I don't know if that will become a thing or not, but you never know. It could spill over.
1: Yeah, it seems like you'd open up the checkbook and start shipping out weight sets to these guys. That's nice. a part of it.
0: They're uh, actually allowed yeah. the NFL is allotting I guess it's coming from the NFL to the players through the teams or the teams are paying I don't know exactly, but fifteen hundred dollars per player to purchase weight equipment. That's good. For yeah, their man, makes
1: sense. For their workouts.
2: And they John just great. have JJ
1: drive up into the driveway. <laughs> And, and, John and supervise the workout and have Cushing behind him if there's any compliance issues.
0: Well, JJ's in Wisconsin, so he can just go into his open freaking
2: He can make gym. a phone
0: call.
1: So. He can just go bench press some cows.
0: Yes. <laughs> Favorite pick, Claire, of the entire group. Who's cheese here? wheels. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Lit- they could probably get cheese wheels pretty heavy. Flip those bastards like a tire. <laughs> Yeah, that's big ass are. cheese wheels. Big
2: ass cheese. I've been to Wisconsin. They got some cheese wheels.
0: Cheese curds are overrated. Okay, yes, Claire, that's... favorite pick of the group. Go,
2: John Reed. Okay, I'm I'm about charisma. Whatever, charm. Yeah,
0: Captain Charisma. Let's go. Cleve, yours. Um,
1: I'm on the fence a little bit with this one. Um. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm gonna go with Blacklock.
2: Okay.
1: I mean, I know that's their highest pick, probably the easiest one to say it's your favorite, but you got a guy with 300 pounds and some athleticism. That's intriguing. And staying on brand, generally, I prefer them drafting big fat guys, so or speed guys, but they don't need to do that after they got Cooks. So, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Blacklock.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of on that, too. I I like Blacklock. I I like the idea of what he can bring. I'm not going to say my thoughts. I've told Claren Cleave off off air on some of the things that I've just seen that as a player he reminds me of. Oh. But we're not trying to set expectations high for him.
1: Right, right. No, plus you said it on the pod yesterday. Did I? You sure did.
0: Oh. Anyways. Erase that from y'all's memories. Boy, my brain was fried? I might have said some stupid shit last night.
2: I don't think you were stupid. I just think you lost your train of thought on occasion.
0: My my co-pilot Mo the lab didn't make it through the entire draft. She was out by round <laughs> six. So she tried. It was her first official draft. So we'll try again next year. But yeah, it's it's an interesting draft class in itself. How it worked. Yeah. Uh, how it all went. But congrats to the Texans, smallest draft class in NFL history. Or in Texans history. Texans history. and We were a <laughs> yeah, part. we know
1: not NFL history. We were. Oh, thank the Saints for that one. Yes,
0: we were a part of history today for uh, Texans folklore. But it's it's hard to be upset. Like you said, Cleve, a forward-thinking draft on not only the situations but how things would change. Bill O'Brien at the end of the press conference today said that he was going to cap out his roster uh, heading into training camp or this period, so to speak, of the rookies, about 84 to 85. The Texans started out um, entering the draft. Uh, They started the draft when they – let me get this number for you to be specific. Uh, Before the draft, the Texans had 73 players under contract. Uh, They added five, so that's 78. So the Texans had about – what was that – Seven player window to do it. Well, the Texans, if that's the case, they're lining up for an extra small rookie free agent class. On average, the Texans have a rookie free agent class that can range anywhere from 20 to 22 rookie free agents. Well, the Texans, to this point, and I think that they're done for the most part, signed eight rookie free agents. So the 13, they have 86 total players, which leaves them four open roster spots. And I would imagine uh, within, I don't know if Michael Thomas is that. So that might only be three open spots. But the Texans are going to bring in more players to make it 90. So expect some veteran uh, additions here soon. But the Texans only signed eight rookie free agents. That's it. And... I would not be surprised if this is the practice squad when it's all said and done. Because if you look at it, they sign an offensive guard, a center guard, uh, tight end, running back, wide receiver, an edge player, a linebacker, and a defensive tackle. I mean, that's all the positions right there. And I don't think that was by mistake either in terms of, Uh, when you start looking at some of those things that uh, they were doing. But, yeah, I mean, it's a a very interesting uh, time for the Texans on how they did it, on what they were looking for. But, yes, that's where we are with the group. Um, Names that we're interested in? Are we interested in any of these names?
2: I don't really know anything about them.
1: There's a running back from Ole Miss that I was a little intrigued by.
2: Scotty Phillips.
1: Scotty Phillips,
0: touchdown machine.
2: Oh, big Z, too, on the defensive tackle from West Georgia.
0: Scotty Phillips uh, running back from Ole Miss. I think he's, what, fourth all-time in Ole Miss history or seventh, somewhere in there. He's top ten in touchdowns, scored, but he missed games due to injuries and different things like that. They call him Scotty Toddy.
2: Well, that's not shocking. Oh, hell no. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Scott. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Good
0: luck. I'll tell you yeah. who he re- reminded me of. Like, the first- You
1: know where that nickname comes
0: from? Well, Hottie Toddy. Yeah. Terror. Get. Yeah, no. <laughs>
1: uh... I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The Bring f- Chris Polk back.
0: The- f- What the hell? <laughs> Scotty Toddy. <laughs> I'll tell you the first run that I saw him do in his little clip that I watch. It reminded me of J.K. Dobbins, but one that could catch. So, but he did make it to the to the uh, combine. That's where the Texans saw him. But yeah, he'll be in this. He's he's less than six foot, but he's like built like six two hundred pounds, two hundred plus pounds. Texans they off- need a sturdy. They need a sturdy
1: guy. If he can block, he might have a chance.
0: I know. Um, He might be the new Taiwan Jones. Uh, They also signed offensive linemen from North Texas. I didn't know they played football. Alex Woodworth, that's E-L-E-X, Woodworth. Uh, Also, I think this is probably their – how would you say it? Their top-end addition to their group is offensive guard Cordell IWUAGW Iwajiwu from TCU. Iwagwu. from TCU. Also, tied in from James Madison, Dylan Stapleton. Edge presence from Notre Dame. This one's odd to me because he never really started. He was just more of a rotational guy. Jameer Jones. But people are saying that. In terms of athletic profile, he's up there. Linebacker from Penn State, I hadn't gotten to him to look at him, Jan Jones. And I'm leaving these last two players uh, as an interesting ones that I'll be paying attention to extra close. This guy's name, he's West Georgia. Uh, Claire mentioned him earlier. They call him Big Z, defensive tackle. Azuya Aluf high
2: Close. Yeah, I think that's about right. Maybe.
0: He originally started at Kennesaw State. He bounced around as a youth between...
2: Like country bouncing around. Not yes, like Nigeria,
0: uh, Malaysia. Yeah, and there was... A- and then he went to Qatar. Yeah. And then his parents sent him back to Georgia to live with his uncle. Uh, and then the great city of Rome, Georgia, accidentally put him in the wrong grade when he returned back to school. (laughs) He was a 13-year-old freshman when he got back. (laughs) His first love was basketball, and because of that, they ended up, his grades ended up being screwed up. So athletically, he was not eligible to play any sports in high school until his senior year. Ugh. But that senior year at high school after he transferred again uh, ended up being an amazing year in schools like Auburn and another Division I school came knocking. And he opted not to – it was – I can't remember exactly. But he opted not to go there, and he ended up going to Kennesaw State because he knew he wasn't ready to play on that type of level. And Kennesaw State was a brand-new uh, program, and they weren't – uh, playing football that first year, so he had a chance to practice for a full year. Uh, but they ended up at West Georgia uh, three years later because he wanted to get closer back to home and ended up at the East-West Shrine game. The way the story goes is that the story about this kid, he was at Kennesaw State, arrived there like at 360 pounds. They told him they had to lose weight, so what did he do? Got on a hardcore workout regiment and lost weight. While he was at his senior year at West Georgia, 31 of the 32 NFL teams came through to check him out. Apparently, there was close to over 50 scouts that came and saw him in person. So, Why did he not get drafted?
1: I have no idea. And you're telling me he turned down Auburn – To go to Kennesaw State.
0: Yes, because he knew that he was not ready to play. Mm. Or he knew it
1: was Auburn, and he is now my favorite Texans player.
2: (laughs) He's kind of cool.
0: Just call him Big Z.
2: Well, he grew up part-time in Houston, and he actually, I guess, went to training camp, and he had a video he tweeted out whenever he got picked up by the Texans, and it was a Arian Foster, he was signing his arm. He told Arian Foster he was never going to wash his arm. And he was like, Man, you're going to want to wash that arm. So it was kind of Yes.
0: Cute. And that's how he let everyone know that he signed with the Texans. He posted that video and said he's going back home. So. And they're like, To Malaysia?
1: And he's like, No, 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 not that home. <laughs> no. Like, Houston. Oh, Nigeria. No, not that one. The other one.
0: But we actually sent that video to Arian uh, so he could see it. So yeah. we've already put That's it That's pretty it. good. So hopefully Aaron, Aaron does something to show it or whatever, but That's I, what's boy. he weigh now? Who?
2: Big Z. Big Z.
0: Oh, I don't know. Not Aaron. I'm not asking.
2: <laughs> well, we all got that quarantine body. So I don't, know I don't know. I mean, wears. I'd
0: have to look,
1: uh, like I said, no, I was just I'd, curious, I mean, are we talking big, big body bins, like S class. Are we still looking maybe a little E class? Claire will look it up. Why
2: don't you remember how to spell his dang name?
1: I, I know I was going to look it up, but I was like, eh, something, West Georgia. I didn't see it, so
0: it's okay. Claire will look it up. Probably better. And the most something. intriguing one, while I was writing up his profile to put in our thing, is Georgia wide receiver Tyler Simmons. Okay. So hear me out here, Cleve because I know you've been busy. So Tyler Simmons, while I'm writing up Tyler Simmons, I like putting the highlight videos in there for our readers on the site to get at least a taste of what the receiver would look like, right? Man, you know this guy. Um, so I start looking at his stats or whatever. Go ahead, Claire.
2: No, I just pulled him up and, well. Who, Big Z? Big, Big Z, but it's not showing on NFL, not on NFL website.
0: Fake. They don't even know what his weight is. Mm -mm. Look on the Shrine game because I know he was there.
2: Okay. Go
0: ahead. Um, So for his career, uh, Tyler Simmons, Cleve, played in 48 career games. Like he played every game in his career. That's impressive. He caught 35 passes for 438 yards and three touchdowns. What? (laughs) His senior year, he caught – in 12 starts in 14 <laughs> games, he caught 21 receptions for 255 yards. He also had 12 rushes for 89 yards. Uh, he also returned punts. Okay. All right. How you yeah. feeling right now? Confused. Okay. Even better, like I said, When I look for highlights for said Mr. Simmons from Georgia on YouTube, which has everything. Literally. There's nothing. (laughs) There's just interviews with him. Are you sure he played in all those games? That's what it says on the site. And when you look at it, there's one clip of him running the football. And it looks like somebody recorded it with their damn phone. So I put it on the site. I said, that's good. And I put, like, something else. So I searched on Twitter to figure out, hmm. I said, I wonder if anybody has something from Tyler Simmons. There's a tweet from someone that I know all of us trust. Lance Zerline tweeted something about Mr. Tyler Simmons on April 1st regarding him. One off-the-radar draft prospect who really caught my eye was Georgia's Tyler Simmons does not have a ton of production but his speed explosiveness and versatility is obvious he can return punts cover them gadget guy potential with ball in his hands has a sub 4-4 speed Georgia just chose to not get him the ball
1: is that what I'm hearing I I've never heard of any player any wide receiver playing in every game for four years in college I don't think I've ever seen. No, that's outrageous. Because anybody that's that good as a freshman is probably going to leave early. Right? So, no, never get injured, but still not catch that many balls. Because I think the numbers you. That averages out to like what, what. This is going from what you told me. And I'm like one catch a game?
0: Probably less than that. He's 6 foot 2 1. Interesting. Well, he's a guy to keep an eye on. That's less than one a game cuz he had 48 games and only caught 35 for his career. <laughs> 21 of them came in his final year.
2: 17 rushes for 220
1: yards. And so 14 catches in 3 seasons of playing in every game. Okay, so they must not have played him at wide receiver. He must have been on coverage or Returning, Maybe that's it. Maybe he didn't start actually playing receiver for the Bulldogs until his junior year.
0: So there's your intrigue right there. I think that when you start looking at guys like that, I automatically think, again, we have no choice but to think what the Patriots do
2: because
0: mm. it's clear. I automatically think guys like Matthew Slater, height, weight guys that can outrun you. Play wide receiver in a pinch, return a punt in a kit. Yeah.
2: You want to know about Big Z, though?
0: Yeah, let me know.
2: He is apparently six foot four <laughs> and three hundred and twenty-seven pounds, mm-hmm. with an eighty-one inch wingspan. Eighty-one.
1: What the That's f- almost eight feet. <laughs> is that well, serious? It's seven
2: feet. B, yeah.
0: Seven feet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Is, is that seven. real life? Seven, our lads. It's real life. Yeah. For All real right. though.
0: Yeah. Cause anyway. they're, they do this stuff for the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. There you go. So yes, We got some uh, difficult roster decisions to
1: make since we have now anointed big Z and Tyler Simmons <laughs> as, as active roster players.
0: Later. Deandre Carter, <laughs> Carlos Watkins. Who else needs to go?
1: That's it. I mean, I'm good. DeAndre, Yeah.
0: Kiki QT, Cause we're going to have to keep, uh, is he still on, keep what's the, he doing on the team? Well, yeah. I mean, if Tyler Simmons might—I mean,
1: mm. grown up—they're all nervous that Wendell Williams might come back,
0: mm. drive his truck up into the facility, um, big rig it. But yeah, that's that's the free agent group. That's it.
1: All right, it's a good summary, Pat.
0: Nobody wants to talk about offensive linemen,
2: so. Mm. I don't think the people appreciate it as much as they should.
0: No, they don't. But that's, that's where it ends. Like I, um, The tight end, Dylan Stapleton from James Madison, he was originally at Slippery Rock, transferred, took a chance, went to uh, James Madison, kind of put himself on the, on the map.
2: They're the I, Bulldogs, right? The Dukes. Oh. What's the one that has the, was in like?
0: They're Bulldogs, but they're called the Dukes.
2: What the F?
0: Trust me. Last year I did a, he's with the Redskins now, Jimmy Moreland. Uh-huh. I did an article on them, and I put the James Madison Bulldogs, oh, and fans right. lost their goddamn minds. Oh, They went after me. said, then we're not the Bulldogs. We're Dukes. Well, then,
2: uh.
0: I said, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Oh. That's on me. Okay. Yeah, Auburn does that, too. You
1: call They have four different mascots.
2: That's stupid. <laughs> What's the war damn eagle thing? I've looked it up before, but it's never, like, been made. Well, the they're
1: rush. the war eagles and, then, and the like, high, high plainsmen.
2: What the Wh- where the did they come from?
1: And I think they have a fourth one that maybe I created. Oh. Um, <laughs> due to their rampant inbreeding. Um, <laughs> no, but I've actually seen, like, flags and banners with the Auburn High Plainsmen.
2: I've never heard that in my life.
1: Yeah.
0: It's a real thing. Look oh. it up. Uh. But I'm blessed. I'm blessed to cover the rookie free I'm sad a little bit that there was only eight this year
2: well it's a tough year and I feel bad for those kids who like just really thought that they had a chance and nothing is gonna happen and uh,
0: I just I don't know
2: it's a weird year it's weird times in the world
0: I mean just from a just from a small macro point of view with the Texans When you think about it, the Texans lost at least almost 15 rookies to get a chance. And that's not including rookie minicamp because then they bring, like, a bunch of tryout guys in right? just to get an extra look. I mean, all these guys that left early and all that stuff, they're going to be at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Bless their heart. And they can't go to the
1: XFL, which is what the whole league was intended for. Yes. It screwed up a lot. It
2: screwed yeah, up a all lot. The,
1: all the millionaires and billionaires that invested in the XFL couldn't fade a one-month outage. That tells you how real their wealth is. Bunch of assholes. Hmm. Sorry. Never mind. Yeah, that was a bunch of crap. It's just... Yeah, it is. It is. But it's pulling the covers back on uh, how tenuous people's accumulation of wealth seems to be or the degree of their greed. It's one of the two. Okay. Maybe both.
0: I don't, I don't know. know. Probably a little of both. But yeah. Yeah. Anything else with these rookies?
2: mm I don't think so. I'm
0: intrigued how this entire year uh, changes yes. things.
2: That's like so it's such a compelling story and we're like at the beginning of it. We have no idea like how it's going to turn out. You just got to sit back and wait.
0: But I think that in a year where the Texans needed help with, like, random stuff to help them out, I think this was the year to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, when they didn't have a first-round pick, they needed a few things to fall their way. This kind of gives them a little bit of they were behind in terms of draft capital and a few different things like that. This allowed to, this, like, even the plane for a lot of teams because – everyone they couldn't get out in front of it
2: right
0: they're all stuck people were lost information just kind of ended up how it was accordingly and i don't know it's going to be interesting to see how this how how this year changes things for for teams because mm-hmm. i think that there are some odd ass decisions is going on and i know we'll cover some of that around the league with Cleve. but yeah i mean uh, there's a few things that went along. I mean, there's not there, there to me, I'm with you, Cleve, I'm with you, Claire. There's nothing really to be upset about in terms of the Texans, uh, with their draft class or anything else because they did what they were supposed to do. And they got
1: then, the positions they needed. They got in, got out. It was a focused draft. I mean, I don't know, could run it into the ground, but that's essentially what it was.
0: Yep, and now they reset their roster and they go back to work to figure out who they need next. I mean, I think everybody would be pretty pleased if they found a way to get, I don't know, what else they need. What do they need? I don't even, maybe, maybe just maybe, they didn't get a safety because they're bringing an air greed. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. That'd be fly.
0: Just a thought. So. You
2: get me excited with your what ifs.
0: That's just a thought. All right, Cleve. Around the league with Cleve. It was a fun draft.
1: went much better today. They dropped their human interest stories, as they like to call them, a.k.a. the player's life of trauma, and airing all their dirty laundry. They stopped doing that, and it went a lot better. So we got to hear some actual thoughts and analysis and clips and all that of a bunch of guys that maybe 10% will make it in the NFL. So it was a better product today. I enjoyed it more. Um, not a whole lot stands out. I mean, you, you see the the typical picks, you know, the Hail Mary sort of picks in the seventh round where guys just take random quarterbacks and hope they have something or at least have a camp arm or something like that. The the thing that stood out even more as the draft progressed was The Packers draft made me laugh even more, well, almost as much as when they drafted Jordan Love. Um, They drafted a running back, which seemed odd because they already have two pretty good ones, including one that NFL Twitter is engaged to right now. Um, So that was especially odd to bring in a third running back, which Lafleur actually told one of the reporters a couple months ago that, yeah, they would they would bring in a third running back. Probably didn't imagine that that would be via a second round pick. You know, and then they picked up a tight end, and then they completely abandoned the offense. They managed to go linebacker, offensive line, center, offensive tackle, safety. When I say offense, I mean the skill players. Um, the tools that Aaron Rodgers claims to need. So it's interesting. I think they might be moving on from old State Farm over there. So anyway, I wish I had a bird's eye view of fan reaction in Green Bay because uh, it was pretty great. So let's see. The Eagles were a little confusing.
0: They just kept, yeah that's they, that's probably the right word. They just kept drafting. Wide receiver after wide receiver after wide receiver.
1: Yeah, and, and not great ones from what I've read about them, and then then he says, "You know we want to be a quarterback factory, which, do you? Like I get that if you're a college program, right? Like LSU is with defensive backs. That helps in recruiting because inherently they're going to come and they're going to go. I'm not sure you want to draft quarterbacks in the second round just so they can leave later. Like it just, it seemed like a bizarre sort of statement. Um, couldn't really make much sense of it. I didn't see the absurdity of it all get as much attention as I thought it merited. Um, I think people are afraid to say anything bad about the the little fella, uh, Jalen, uh, hurts, heard, whatever. Um, uh, he seems to be in that sort of adopted, protected class of people that, that Twitter's afraid to criticize. So, yeah, I don't expect much honesty relative to that one. Our boy Thaddeus Moss, undrafted, ended up getting signed as an undrafted free agent by the Redskins. That was a little disappointing. I was hoping to have Randy in the building. And look, Thaddeus can play. He just has Yao Ming feet. So I think that's what held things up for him. Probably the biggest story, if we're not beating the draft into the ground, was Trent Williams going to the 49ers. The Redskins finally traded him. He's been wanting out for, what, at least two years. I think it's been three years, though. Um, And they've refused to move him. I guarantee you they could have gotten a first-round pick for Trent Williams when all this started. Does that sound fair?
0: Yeah, when you kick and scream and kick and scream and kick and scream and you hold on to an injured player that's unhappy and that you hadn't seen playing forever, they they both hurt each other's value.
1: So they managed to net a third-round pick this year and I believe a fifth-round pick next year. Is that right? Yep. So a guy that could have gotten a first round, they just – Pretty much gave away to the Niners, who were going to rework his deal and you know make him all happy. And look, Trent Williams is a top tier, top tier tackle. He seems a little, it, it you want to say he seems a little whiny, but then you realize he's whining about the Redskins, and I'm not sure that qualifies as whining. I mean, the team's a mess. They're they're the, somehow mishandled Kirk Cousins, right? <laughs> paid him paid him a a. a escalating money each year as you keep franchising him only for him to leave and you have nothing to show for it. Um, anyway, the Redskins are a mess. So that's actually a pretty significant trade, though, because you know the Niners are going to be a relevant team
0: um, for as long as Shanahan's there. Um, I, do, I do find it interesting. I'm, I'm looking through some of these draft classes. I mean, like the Broncos, they took two rookie wide receivers with their first two picks. Round one, round two, Judy and k j hamler from from denver i mean it's amazing I mean, just thinking about the Texans plans versus some of these other plans, you start sitting there thinking, you know the total difference in how people went after these drafts. Texans come around with five Jaguars, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten twelve rookies. <laughs> I mean, it's, I
1: assure you the Jaguars are not the blueprint.
0: I mean, that's that. That's just my point. It's just crazy to see how the different thinkings going into the draft were. I don't know. It's it's a, it's an interesting case study to see how it goes.
1: Everybody was obsessed with the Patriots drafting a quarterback. And for the life of me, I don't know why. I don't know why. They were saying, well, they only have two quarterbacks on the roster. They have to draft somebody. Who's the next Tom Brady? They're not going and this, this was the conversation into the fourth round. They have to replace Tom Brady. I'm like, well, sorry, pal. Not, it's not happening now. You're not going to get him in the fourth round. And maybe they are a little more confident with the, the young guy from Auburn and, uh, and your boy Hoyer. But also – Maybe the, that's the plan.
0: The field is better than the draft. You got Cam and Winston sitting as a free agent, I think those are better options than, than you know. That would be my thought. Like, when you get to that point, you're like, hmm.
2: Probably better than whatever the Colts took to sit behind Phillip Rivers. Oh, is it Easton.
0: Easton. Eason. Eason from Washington. Yeah. They said he has a great arm, but other than that, he's all over the place. Right. I'm like, oh, okay. Here's the yeah, other...
1: I mean, obviously, it, nobody knows what to do about the Patriots in quarterback because, it's, because you know how it's going to go, but nobody wants to admit how it's going to go. They're not signing Jameis. They're not signing Cam. I'm pretty comfortable ruling those two guys out. We know he's comfortable with... With Hoyer, and the other kid whose name suddenly escapes me should probably get a chance and see what he's got. But well, they're not going to overreact and just start drafting these idiots to come in and have the inordinate amount of pressure of repl- replacing Brady. It's not happening. So I have a it, question. Was a, it was a strange obsession.
0: I have a doggy, uh, I already forgot the question that was in my brain. Jeez Louise, keep talking, I'll find it.
1: You know, the Ravens had a classic Ravens draft in that they picked all players that anybody with a passing interest in football are aware of with real, you know, no big knocks on any of them, all tough guys, all football players. They do it every year, (laughs) every year. For some teams that can't ever make a good pick, like the Browns or the Jaguars or, you know, mid-round Texans, it's got to be maddening when you see a team that goes... When's the last time they had a draft you were like, oh, that was terrible? That Kyle Bowler? I think it is Kyle Bowler. I think that's the last head-scratcher. And then they fixed it. <laughs> However they did it, they fixed it. So, uh, typical Ravens. What else around the league?
0: Hmm. Yeah, think P? <laughs> Let me see. Let me the see. big
1: story out of Chicago is they may not pick up Trubisky's fifth-year option.
0: Shocking. <laughs> I remember I was going to ask. Cleve, you followed the, the draft long enough. I tweeted this out today in terms of, just in blanket terms. If players are sliding down the board, the 31 other teams are, letting the players that you covet slide down the board and all the draft analysts that cover the draft saying, you're, this is the greatest draft ever. They're knocking this out of the park. I always do one thing instantly. That's the ultimate red flag for the NFL draft for a class.
1: Then who's knocking it out of the park? Said team. For doing what,
0: picking players that are "quote unquote" falling. That every pick, oh, this is a grand slam pick from pick one to seven. Oh
1: yeah, it's a crapshoot. You're you're never going to know that. the The whole thing of comparing teams and where they draft guys to where the mocks have them, it's just kind of silly because you're dealing with such partial inf- information. You know, you see it every year. There's always at least four or five guys that everyone's convinced they're second or third round players and then they go undrafted and it comes out that their medical is a disaster, which is a huge thing in the NFL. because You're making not just a financial commitment to the players. That's a lesser concern, but you're making roster spot uh, commitments to them. And if they can't play or you have real reservations about their ability to stay healthy, you're not going to take the chance. You're going to move on to the next guy. Because these guys are graded so closely. That's how you have seventh-round guys that make the team and second-round guys that don't. I mean, they're graded pretty closely for the most part. So, you know, you don't have all the information. So if all the teams are consistently passing on a guy, there's either a medical problem or there's some unknown, let's say, personality flaw relative to, like, criminal history that might be the issue. Who knows? Um, but no, this whole, oh, this, this team's having a great draft. This one's not, I, I'm too old for that. I've seen it too many times. Cleveland has a great draft every year, mm-hmm. right? And, and then like a week after the draft, you realize, mm, not so great. Or even if it does look good and then you see the results on the field, none of it matters. So, nah, I don't care about grades. I mentioned that about the Ravens because they pick a type. They always pick a type. They always pick... Mm-hmm. Guys that you would recognize as football players.
2: For sure.
0: So. Just like all draft classes, it is what it is.
1: I know at some point people are going to say, well, Cleve, you've said, and I know Pat said that you're always best advised to keep trading back and gather picks just like the Patriots did. Now when the Texans do the opposite of that and take fewer guys, you're saying it was a smart thing to do. Ha ha, gotcha!
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And just before you make that argument, understand this year is different. We covered it earlier um, about time with each of these rookies and how you're able to coach and evaluate them, and that your time's limited. So this was not the year to bring in 12 picks. So this year is different. So you feel free to get in Pat's mentions anyway.
0: All five of the draft picks that the Texans had, like I said, they spent an extensive time with all five of them. As we know, Ross Blacklock was one of the few players they were actually able to get to the facility. Um, the scouts met with Grenard at the Senior Bowl and the Combine. Um, as for Heck, O'Brien and company from the Senior Bowl all the way through the process, including a video conference call, kept in touch with them. Uh, John Reed, conference call with the Texans, including, I mean, Bill O'Brien already knew everything you need to know about him. And I asked specifically to Isaiah Coulter what his contact was. said, you know, they kept in contact with him the entire way too. Conference call. And then the wide receiver coach, John Perry, keeping an eye on him. So the Texans are not – I don't know. Is it non-risk averse? Is that your term, Cleve? Isn't that what you usually tell me? Well,
1: non-risk,
0: that's a double neck. Rephrase that. When when they'll do everything not to take an unnecessary risk, like when they'll cover all the bases. Like no matter what anyone thinks, people feel like, the Texans, with these moves, even back to their trades and everything else, are very Cavalier with their moves because they come off Cavalier. But in essence, if you look back at all their moves, they are very well-thought-out decisions, and all the draft picks that have been brought under Bill O'Brien, especially these ones coming back, and even with the discussions that we know about Laramie Tunsell, all the background work has been done before, hey, we're comfortable doing this. It's looking like it's more thought
1: out than many of us
0: suspected it would be. Because we've seen in the past, remember, the, the old Rick Smith and, and Gary Kubiak play was, we're not going to talk to them. We're going to surprise and take them. Right? Charles yeah, Spence. Which, which always seems like a strange decision, but yeah. Charles Spencer. Said it point blank. He, the only time he talked to the Texans was at the combine when they got an information card on him. Other than that, they never talked to him.
1: Well, you might be able to thank Osweiler for this change in (laughs) team strategy too. You know, they never got a chance to talk to him, and then you see how it ended up. I could see Bill saying, "Look, we're never bringing a guy onto this team that I haven't talked to," and having that as a blanket policy.
0: I can completely imagine that. Being the case do you think that's like their lead photo on their binder for potential free agents quick reminder
1: yeah if if, if the player doesn't have a selfie with Bill O'Brien, he's not on their board. <laughs> just the firm reminder of the Brock the Brock situation it's like a like one of those pop up books that he had as a kid, like you just have to open the binder three different ways so you get the Osweiler picture
0: yes, like damn it, it's right oh, there it is again, but yeah. that's an interesting point because they learned the hard way. Uh, But luckily, Rick got Sashi drunk and got out of it. (laughs) And changed the trajectory for the most part of saving Bill O'Brien's job and getting us to this point where there's never a dull moment in Texans history right now. Factual. Yeah, anything else? That's all I got. That's all I have. We appreciate everyone's support through the draft. Hopefully, we'll get some news. I think that uh, the Texans will make uh, players available through this virtual time uh, moving forward uh, during the draft or during their workouts. So we'll see how that works out. Laramie Tunsil was supposed to talk uh, during the draft, but that didn't fall through. But I'd imagine he'll be talking soon uh, regarding his new contract with the Texans. But other than that. I don't think I have anything. Cleve, like I said, you don't have anything left, do you? No. Claire?
2: I'm all done.
0: Sweet. I've, I've had enough, but appreciate everyone coming to the site and making this probably our most successful draft ever in terms of the site. Um, a lot of you have come in and, and read things, and I think that we've pumped out a lot of articles. We've got a lot more coming out over the week, but definitely not in terms of volume. We're going we're gonna to stretch out the quotes and all that stuff a little more, plus a bunch of the videos that we got uh, with Prospects and Bill O'Brien over the week, so we'll have all that up on the site. Remember, staydetectives.com on Sports Illustrated. Go find us at your favorite podcast provider. <laughs> and until next time, we will talk to you all then. So, UFC Cleve. it's going to be brief.
1: We'll cover this more next week. UFC 249 is going down. May 9th, Jacksonville, Florida, whether there's a pandemic or not, apparently they're doing it. And as I recall from the previous setup, it is a loaded card. So we'll cover it more next week. But I uh, just want to get that out there. Save your money um, or however you choose to watch such things. That's it. Bye. <laughs> So don't waste your time arresting me Cause on your paycheck, it's I trigger a Filthy. Filthy, I'm above the law So don't feel cheated, Mr. Ness Pull an egg in your shoe and beat
2: it, beat it.
1: So with this in mind, Ness, did shout There'll be a tree, stay where you are when you get out And if anybody runs, your boots, I'll cook em. Gave a smile to his boys and then said Buckle, buckle, buckle,